All right, so Galatians chapter 2 is where we're going to be tonight. Galatians chapter 2. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and flip there. If you need a Bible, we have a ton of Bibles in the back. Raise your hand and we will get you one. Raise your hand and we will get you one. Who does not have a Bible? Raise your hand if you do not have a Bible. There we go. Everybody needs something to follow along with. Follow along with. Chandler, do you have a Bible? Do you need a Bible? Fair enough. Okay, so Galatians chapter 2. Last week we talked about Paul kind of defending himself and what he was doing, right? You had all these people that were saying that Paul um, was a sellout, that because of his past life, he couldn't possibly be the man that he is now. He couldn't possibly be doing what he's doing. Um, And so the first half of chapter 2 is the same thing. We are going to pick up in verse 11, but before we read that, I'm going to summarize the first 10 verses before that. Everybody with me, yeah? Okay, we got to understand what's happening before to understand what's happening in 11. So, verses 1 through 10, Paul is defending himself to Jerusalem, right? He's defending his trip there, and he's saying a couple of things. And I'm going to highlight a couple of things that are important, um, and that is this. Verse 3, Paul says, but not even Titus, oh no, sorry, I jumped the gun, Uh, Verse 2, it says, I went up according to the revelation and presented to them the gospel I preach among the Gentiles. This is important because you have, everybody say Paul. Everybody say Peter. Okay. Both men are called to share the gospel with people. Okay. However, those two men are called to share the gospel to a different group of people. Right. And when I say that, it's not that they're not sharing the gospel to the other group that they're not intended to. They just have a priority. So Peter is predominantly sharing the gospel with the Jewish culture, Jewish community, okay? Paul was set aside and called to take the gospel to the Gentiles. So everybody say Gentiles. Everybody say Jews. Okay, so you have Peter who is predominantly called to preach to the Jewish community, although he does preach to the Gentiles. And you have Paul, who is called to preach to the Gentiles, but also preaches to Jews. Everybody with me? Okay. Um, If anybody's still not clear, it's like I am the student pastor, so I preach predominantly to you, but occasionally I preach across the way for the main service. Okay? Cool, cool. So then in the back half of verse 2, he says, But privately to those recognized as leaders, I wanted to be sure I was not running and had not been running in vain, But not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. This matter arose because of some false brothers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus in order to enslave us. In verse 5, but we did not give up and submit to those people for even a moment so that the truth of the gospel would be preserved for you. So basically what Paul is saying is, we've talked about these people called the Judaizers. Everybody remember them? Yes, okay, everybody say Judaizers. 
Okay, so the Judaizers were people, once again, if you haven't been here, that were taking the gospel, that were taking the salvation message, and they were adding on to it, right? So as Christians, we believe that it is Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, us giving our life to follow him, and us pursuing after him for the rest of our lives. That's what saves us, right? That is salvation. Nothing else. It is Jesus in the cross, and redemption. There's nothing else that has to be added to it. These Judaizers were telling these Gentile people, which are the people that are not Jewish, that they had to be circumcised and that they had to have all these other things in order to be saved. And Paul even makes the statement that Titus, who is traveling with Paul, who is a Gentile but accepted Jesus, at one point was considering, okay, maybe I do have to do this because their argument was so compelling. Paul then comes back and says, however, Titus didn't give in and none of us gave in and we stood fast to the gospel. The reason this is important is because in where we're about to go in verse 11 and on, it's about to be an issue that we're going to see arise within the church. There's about to be a heated moment between Peter and Paul. There's about to be a whole bunch of things that unravel. So, to summarize all that up, it's so important that we understand what we believe and why we believe it. Because if not, we will be in situations like Paul was in, like Titus was in, and like Peter is going to get himself into, where different theologies will come in, different beliefs will come in, and if we are not standing firm on what we believe, it can easily rock us. Or we will temporarily sway to fit the culture that surrounds us. Everybody with me? Cool. Okay. So starting in verse 11. <clears throat> but when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For he regularly ate with the Gentiles before certain men came from James. However... When they came, he withdrew and separated himself because he feared those from the circumcision party. Then the rest of the Jews joined his hypocrisy, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Verse 14. But when I saw that they were deviating from the truth of the gospel, I told Cephas in front of everybody, If you, who are a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you compel Gentiles to live like Jews? We are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. And yet, because we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith in Jesus Christ, even we ourselves have believed in Christ Jesus. This was so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because... By the works of the law, no human being will be justified. But if we ourselves are also found to be sinners while seeking to be justified by Christ, is Christ then a promoter of sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild those things that I tore down, I show myself to be a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, 
I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God for the righteousness. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. Okay, so we have a lot to unpack here. And there's a lot of things that if you're not paying attention, seem contradictory and are going to catch you way out of left. Okay? Buddy with me. Does everybody know that terminology like way out of left or is that like over your heads? Yes, technically out of left field, yes. I'll use a better analogy next time. <clears throat> so, so starting in verse 11. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Bonus question from last week. Who is Cephas? Peter, yes. No, Bo Cephas is uh, Hank Williams Jr. Um, not a terrible answer, but not the right answer. <laughs> so... Rednecks everywhere are proud right now. Not the right answer, though. When Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Verse 12, for he regularly ate with the Gentiles before certain men came from James. So basically, what Paul is saying here is, when I saw Peter, I called him out on what he was doing wrong. He came up to Peter. Peter was in the area and was hanging out with all these Gentile people. Now, backing up, what two people hated each other for the longest time? Jews and Gentiles, right? The only other person that was worse than a Gentile in a Jewish person's eyes were people from? Starts with an S. Oh, you were so close. You were so close, Taylor. Samaria, Right, the Good Samaritan story. So the people from Samaria, which were a cross between Jews and Gentiles, were the only people they hated more than the Gentiles. So you had Peter who is living life, eating with these Gentile people, and just being the church with them, okay? Then it says that certain men came from James, However, when they came, he withdrew and separated himself because he feared those from the circumcision party. So you had these Jewish people, you had these Judaizers, who like Paul was saying in the section before that had infiltrated the group, you had these Judaizers that kind of blended in, and they began to give Peter a bunch of problems because he's hanging out with these Gentile people, who in their eyes are truly not saved. Everybody with me so far? So Peter hears those things, and he says, all right, well, I'm going to leave and go away from the Gentiles, ignore them, even though I've just shared Jesus with them, even though I'm living life and doing life with them, I'm going to go over here because I don't want to disappoint these people. Anybody see an issue with that? Yay, yay, nay? Exactly. So, Paul is calling him out on it. Then this is the crazy part. He says, Then the rest of the Jews joined his hypocrisy, so even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. So Peter, with all this work he was doing, right, living with these people, this other group comes in and starts to judge Peter, and Peter caves. And it completely ignores this entire other group of people And because Peter ignores this entire other group of people, the rest of the Jewish community that is with Peter hanging out with these Gentiles does the same exact thing. 
So now there's a division. Now we're back to Jew versus Gentile. Right? You have a disciple who is now an apostle, who Jesus said, you are the rock of which I will build my church that begins to divide the church. And so Paul calls him out on it. He says, hey, here's the issue. We need to fix this. This is kind of a warning for us because if we are not careful as believers, right, as Christians, if we are not grounded in the word, if we are not comfortable in our walk with Jesus, right, and I don't mean comfortable as like it's safe here. I guess the word I'm using is should use is confident. If we're not confident in our walk with Jesus and confident in who Jesus is in our lives, anytime anything like that happens to us that opposes the gospel or the work that we're doing, we will cave every time. Right? I mean, we're talking about Peter. We're talking about the guy that walked on water. Right? We're talking about the guy that cut a soldier's ear off for Jesus, right? The guy that denied Jesus three times and the guy that was redeemed by Jesus, right? He's a great man of God that shaped the church and built the church, but he had his flaws too, right? Sin is not above anybody. And then in verse 14, Paul says, but when I saw that they were deviating from the truth of the gospel. I told Cephas in front of everyone, if you are a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. If you who are a Jew, sorry, you read that correctly and it'll make sense. If you who are a Jew live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you compel Gentiles to live like Jews? So basically what he's saying is this. If you're going to call yourself a Jew and not live by the law, the Old Testament law, how are you going to expect the Gentiles to live like that if you're not even living like that? Right? Peter's not called to live according to the Old Testament law. Peter's called to live in the freedom that Paul talks about in the back half of this passage. Right? We're talking about religion versus a relationship. We're talking about rules versus freedom. Verse 15, we are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. I want you guys to be super careful when you read this because Paul is not saying like, all right, all these Gentiles are sinners, be gone. Paul is making kind of a dig at the group that is opposing them, these Judaizers, right? Because they are seeing these Gentiles not as people that need Jesus and for the ones that have accepted Jesus, not as the believers and followers of Christ, but they still see them as just these Gentile sinners that have no clue what's happening. Sixteen, and yet because we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we ourselves have believed in Christ Jesus. Right, this is where Galatians really starts to take off. Everybody say law versus freedom. Say law versus freedom. Okay. Religion, the law, rules, they bound you down in this manner, right? 
it gives you a false sense of freedom. Right? If you are coming to church and counting on church to be the thing that holds you together, right? If you're counting on your time here to be what holds you together, then you're living by a set of rules and traditions and laws. Right? Our joy is not found in a building. Our joy is not found in the fact that we live good lives. Right? If we try to live good lives, we're never going to live good lives. We're never going to be a good enough person. Right? That's the problem that, that Paul is talking about here is you're going from this whole rules and law-based system to it's about freedom. It's about living in the freedom that the cross gives us. This was so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, but because by the works of the law, no human being will be justified. Everybody say standard. Everybody has a standard that they base their life upon, right? A set of morals, a code. As believers, our standard comes from the only standard that matters, and that is God's standard. His law is perfect. His way is pure. So if we try to live according to the law, according to the rules that God lays out in order to meet His standard, we will never meet His standard because it's impossible. None of us can follow all of those rules, right? Nobody can. And God sets it up that way on purpose because it shows that we are still dependent upon him that we cannot do it on our own none of us can do it on our own we need jesus and the cross to fix what we have broken the only way that the veil is torn the only way that a relationship is mended the only way that there is a way back to god is through jesus and the cross nothing else Coming to church a certain amount of times won't save you. Reading your Bible every day won't save you. Never saying a curse word in your life will not save you. Being able to quote every VeggieTales episode will not save you. I know. The, honestly, the only reason is because we play it for Lorelai, and I have watched like every VeggieTales episode in the last like two weeks, four times in a row at least. It's okay. I, I kind of felt personally attacked myself. Moving on. So, verse 17. But if we ourselves are also found to be sinners while seeking to be justified by Christ, is Christ then a promoter of sin? Paul asks a pretty crazy question here, right? I'm going to read this one more time. But if we ourselves, right, we have to look at context. He says, if we, so that we statement, who is Paul talking about? Bueller, Bueller. Who is Paul talking about when he says we? The church. He's talking about the church. He's talking about believers. But if we ourselves are also found to be sinners while seeking to be justified by Christ, is Christ then a promoter of sin? 
So basically what he's saying is this. Even though that we're running this race, even though that we're trying to be justified by faith and we live life every day, we are all still going to do what? So because we sin, does that mean that Jesus promotes sin? Is what he's asking. And his answer is absolutely not. Right? He says, if I rebuild those things that I tore down, I show myself to be a lawbreaker. For though, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. Right? Paul's making this statement that Jesus died under the law. Right? The law is what killed Jesus. Everybody with me? If anybody ever tells you that the Old Testament doesn't matter anymore, that it doesn't apply, I'm going to be real honest with you. Don't listen to them because they are dumb. That's the dumbest thing that anybody could ever say. The law is a beautiful but messy thing in the fact of this. It shows how badly that we need Jesus. Right? We have to die to the law, meaning this. We have to give up trying to do it ourselves in order to die to ourselves and give our lives to Christ. Right? You have to give up the law. You have to give up trying to be a good person. You have to give up trying to do it on your own and follow him. And this is why. In verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. Christ who lives within me. All right, one more time. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Right, what Paul is saying here is Paul obviously didn't take a cross the same way that Jesus took a cross, right? Paul wasn't hanging on a cross when Jesus died. As a matter of fact, a lot of scholars say that Paul was probably around the area when Jesus was dying and was in a, the group of people, like knew those people that physically turned Jesus in, that physically beat him, right? That was his people. That's who he was. When Paul says he's crucified, he's talking about the old him. The old us is put to death. Right? For those of you in this room that know Jesus, right, that, that have a relationship with Jesus, think about where you were when Jesus found you. Right? Because everybody that is a Christian, a believer, has a Jesus found me moment. Right? Don't ever get it twisted. Don't ever say, I found Jesus. No, you didn't find Jesus. Jesus found you. Because if it's up to us and sin and the old life, we're not ever looking for Jesus. Jesus finds you exactly where you're at, and he cleans you up. The old you dies, and a new you comes to life. Right? That's what Paul is saying. The Paul before the Paul that killed Christians, the Paul that held the robes of Stephen when Stephen was stoned, the Paul that persecuted the church, that Paul is no more. 
But the Paul that loves God and is winning souls for Jesus and changed the world is the Paul that stood before them. You, as believers, have that ability. Right? Are any of us ever going to be perfect? No. We're all going to mess up. Live in the freedom that the cross brings. Don't worry about holding yourself to a set of standards. Don't worry about, did I read my Bible enough this week? Don't worry about, do I know enough information about God? Live in the freedom, meaning this. I take every day, step by step, chasing after Jesus. And if I fall and I stumble, guess who's there to pick me back up? Jesus. There's moments that Jesus is walking with me and there's moments that he is carrying me. There's moments when I distance myself because I try to do my own thing and he is still right there waiting for me to turn around and come back every single time. It's not too late for you to live a life worthy of the calling that's set before you and that calling is to chase after Jesus. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. For I do not set aside the grace of God, for its righteousness comes through the law. Then Christ died for nothing. So this is what Paul is saying. He lives by the faith that Jesus, the Son of God, died for him. Died for you. Died for me. Died to accomplish the will of his Father. And because of that, it's not the law that saves us, but rather it's the grace of God. Paul is saying, I do not set aside the grace of God to follow the law. Because if I set aside the grace of God and I'm only trying to follow the law, then what did Jesus really die for? He's saying it's the grace of God that is everything. Not the law, not a set of standards, not a set of rules, not coming to this Baptist church because my family's come to this Baptist church for the last 75 years. Or we just go to church on Sunday because that's how it's always been. but it's by the grace of God, right? I come to this church because I want to grow closer to Jesus with other believers. I read my Bible because I want to know God more. I raise my hands in worship or sit down or kneel, not because I want the spotlight or because anybody's watching me, but because my heart is crying out to God. It's living in the freedom that the cross has given because when you live in the freedom that the cross gives you, nobody holds anything against you. It is the only thing that truly sets all of us free. Nothing else can do that. It's not too late for your friends to see that Jesus 
loves them by how you live your life, right? You want the world to see that you're different right now where you are? Do everything that you do in excellence, not because you're the best person, not because you're trying to be the best, but because your heavenly Father has a higher standard than the rest of the world. Do well in school. Not because you want to be smart. But because God calls that from us. Be a light in your family and be respectful to your parents. Not because you have to, which you do have to. But because God calls us to. Right? Your parents are figuring out life just like you are. Your friends, lost people, guess what? They're figuring out life just like you are. The difference is Jesus and the freedom that we live in. Y'all have an amazing opportunity to just be kids, to be teenagers. Right? Like I understand that the stuff that you deal with now is even different than what I dealt with nine years ago when I graduated high school. Right? In nine years, things have drastically changed. I can tell you one thing that has not changed, and that is Jesus. Jesus on the cross will forever be consistent. And I promise you this, your friends, your family that don't know Jesus, they are all searching. Everybody's searching and looking for an answer. Everyone. The beautiful part is, and I can say this with confidence, is that we are the only people that have the correct answer. And how do I know that? Because the God that I serve is the ultimate judge. He's the ultimate lawgiver. He's a God of grace and redemption and mercy and love. He's a God of wrath. He's a God of healing. He's a God of anger. He's a God of all these things, but everything that I named, he is that way because he is God, and that is just the way it is.